Welcome to the Lighthouse Financial Advisors Money Over 50 podcast with Dallas Davison and Michael Hogue. This information is general in nature and does not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Therefore, you should consider whether the information is appropriate for you and your personal circumstances. If you require personal advice, please contact Lighthouse Financial Advisors. Here are your hosts, Dallas Davison and Michael Hogue. Welcome to Money Over 50. Today we've got a listener question. So uh, it's from a listener, Kerry, who's a small business owner. And so we uh, wanted to go through some tips and traps for other small business owners. Yeah, so Kerry, thanks for your, your question. Um, Kerry writes in to the, to the email address of the podcast and what's uh, the email address <laughs> podcast at mo50.com.au and if you have any questions feel free to send them in so Kerry writes in and says that she's a small business owner she's been in business uh, it was implied that she'd been in business for a number of years yep um, and she's in her early 60s and she's found herself in a situation where it's becoming obviously close to retirement mm-hmm. and um, and she has very little money in superannuation and it's something that we've seen time and time again. So really good question, yeah. Kerry, um, in, in that um, it's a common thing that we, we yeah. see time and time again for small business owners. Yeah. And it's something that we haven't discussed yet on the podcast. No, that's so, right. So, it's yeah. a, um, you did right. We, we have seen this over and over and over again, is that it, it's the same sort of, um, you know, on average people come and see us at say 55, and, and predominantly it's wage and salary earners who are coming to see us. So people who have worked for, for, for a company or organisation and they've basically focused on, for most people, they've focused on the immediate um, day-to-day of, of living, um, of you know, raising kids and paying off a house and all that kind of thing. And without sort of really paying any attention, they've, they've built up sort of half a million dollars worth of, of money in superannuation through their, their employer contributions going in. Now, what you see again and again and again is for small business owners, they've had all the same, the same day-to-day pressures and, and financial commitments, but there hasn't been that same amount kicking into, into their super in the background. And so in terms of their retirement savings, they're normally a bit behind the eight ball just because there's been no forcing mechanism to make that happen, make those super contributions that, And happen. that's the key to it. There has been no forcing mechanism. So most small businesses, how they start out and often stay um, structured for the for the whole, for the entirety of the business as, as a sole trader. So as a sole trader, um, really what you take is is drawings. Yep. So yep. you don't take a wage typically. Yep. Well, you no, you don't ever yep. take a wage yep. as a sole trader. You take drawings yep. for the business. So at the end of the year yep. or every quarter, yep. your accountant works out what your what, tax bill is, what your tax bill is, and and, and all those things. So there's no forcing mechanism. Because there's no formal wage, yep. there's no 9.5% super contribution on yep. top of that. Yep. You can make voluntary contributions to super, of course, and yep. they're tax deductible as yep. well. So all the benefits, it's just that there's no forcing mechanism. That's right. And that's exactly what we see is that for a lot of people who have a small business and they've normally started out on their own and then yep. put on a few staff and, and you know they're making super contributions for their staff. Every well, that's a really heartbreaking part. There's part B of that. Yeah. So the sole trader is a sole trader, yeah. and it's and it's still the same situation. They end up with no superannuation because they haven't paid any in. Yeah. What's really heartbreaking, I find, is when you see 
the structuring of a of a of a step up from that. Yeah, which is a a small business with staff. Yeah, and often then it's it's structured differently. Yeah, as a company or a trust, but there's still no formal wage for the owner. Yes, they take drawings still. Yeah, yeah. so so um, what happens? You end up with a heartbreaking situation that a staff member that's worked for you for a long time. Yeah. And uh, they end up with significantly more money in superannuation than you do just because of the forcing mechanism that that yep. you have to pay them a wage if yep. they're a staff member. And inbuilt into that wage is 9.5% super contribution on top of that. Yep. So it's it's one of those things that we see that time and time again yep. where, where a business that started out as a sole trader, it's grown to you know, employ, employ one or two or four or five staff. Yep. Um, all of those staff members are getting paid uh, yeah, you know, superannuation contributions yep. on top of that. Yep. But, the, but the business owner or owners, yes. in, in, in some cases, it's a couple. Yep. And that's their, their, their entire livelihood. Yep. Um, uh, they, they, they haven't been making their own super contributions on top of that. And, and, and I mean, Kerry, Kerry writes in and said that she loved listening to the podcast. Um, in the last year, she was able to make some contributions to superannuation so she's actually able to, to yeah um she she said that she's uh basically there wasn't a, a lot of profit in the business after um splitting income she splits the income between her and her husband who's um not able to work and um said there's not much profit there so she's actually able to tap into the government co-contribution so yep. she put two times yeah a thousand dollars into her super fund and a thousand dollars into her husband's super fund yeah. and um was able to qualify for two times five hundred dollar yeah. benefits so yeah, but so she's starting to think about the, these types yeah. of things now it's it's just that it's just that um it's a situation where she uh had also mentioned in uh, her email that there always seems to be other Something pressing else. bills to pay yeah and that's, before you actually pay your superannuation contributions for the owner. That's, I guess, if you look at it as the, the common traps that we see for small business owners is that, like you're saying, those structuring things is, is that because there's because it's only drawings and it's not a wage being paid, they're not paying super for themselves. So whether it's as a sole trader or even if they have staff they're paying super for, they're not paying for themselves. Yeah. I think another common trap is that it's just that, like we said, there's always something more pressing, and that's sort of what Kerry alluded to: is that as a as a business owner, there's always something else that you could be spending that money on yeah. that that is probably more exciting, more interesting, more pressing, maybe than than mm. putting money into into super. So, so we have some solutions here. Yeah, but I the third the third part to this. So, so we'll talk about why we see these mistakes first of all, yeah. and and one of them is 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 there's no forcing mechanism. Yeah businesses are structured the wrong way from a forcing mechanism point of view to pay in that the the last um reason why we see these mistakes i think is the is really the expectation that the business will be sold for profit later on yeah that will provide the owner with enough money to be able to retire on and we see that time and time again in terms of 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 people that um make a blanket statement such as I don't have a superannuation my business is my superannuation I was just about to say that exact phrase because yeah. I've heard that a million times my business <laughs> um, is my super and that, that's yeah it, it is an it's an expectation without uh, in many cases without any sort of basis in reality like for, for a yes. lot of small business owners there is no there is no there is your your goodwill your hard work over 30 yeah. years that's built that up but I think there's some 
expectation that someone will magically appear in the next five, 10 years that will pay me many multiples of the profit that I'm earning mm. or, or, the, or the wage that I'm, that I'm pulling out of there and that will make everything, make everything all right. And the reality is for most people, it's just not, it's not what happens. Most, biz, most small businesses don't get sold, they just get wound up because yeah. there's no, there's no way to there's no way to succeed that onto someone else or to pass it on to someone and, else. And we're talking about in some cases here really really profitable large businesses. Yeah. So there's an electrical business in Townsville yeah. that um, that when the owner retired yeah. he went he closed the doors. Yeah. Now he he I know for a fact this guy made millions and millions and millions yeah. out of this business. Yeah. And he was smart enough to put that money away. Yeah. And he's he's got a really healthy passive income now. Yeah. But when it came, that's that's a type of business that's very very hard to sell, yes. like an uh, an electrician yep. style business. Yep. Um, Where it's, yeah, where it's based um, on the owner, the relationships that that owner yeah. has. A lot of the time, they they're sort of the management as well as the owner. Yes. There's no second layer of people that yeah. Even if you do have a business that you will be able to sell, yep. um, we think the best assumption to make is that you'll only be able to sell a business for one dollar, so yep. one single dollar. Yeah when the owner retires. So it's a different way to reframe that. So if you're then uh, running a small business and you start with the assumption yep. that you'll only be able to sell that business for $1 yep. whenever that is that you retire, you then start to, to really reframe think about what the purpose of that business is. Yeah. And, 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 and you have to actually turn it into yep. something that you can, you can draw some profit out of, so yep. you can make some profit out of, you can, you can put that profit away and um, in in some effects, a cash care, yes. uh, where you actually are able to to, yeah. to siphon off some of those profits, yeah, and um, move that into. And I think the reality is, even if you, to me, it's no different. Even if you think that your business is going to be worth a million dollars in mm. ten years' time, I mean, we've just we've just seen with with coronavirus that if you only if your retirement savings are tied up in in one business or in one company. You're you're at a lot of risk of something something coming along that's external to you that's out of your control. Mm. So you know you, you might you might have owned a restaurant or a cafe or a chain of restaurants and cafes that that were worth a million dollars, but you wanted to retire now, and you haven't. You know that business model has been really knocked around by coronavirus. So absolutely, it's kind of one of those things where even if even if you do think that your business is worth a million dollars or whatever the case may be. The safest way, in the same way that I wouldn't say to someone um, who's you know working for NAB, you wouldn't work for NAB and say I'm going to have all of my retirement savings tied up in in NAB shares. No. It's just not how you do it because you go anything can happen to that one individual company over the next Absolutely. ten years. So it's really to me about going. Let's assume that there's let's assume that the business is, is worth a dollar when I retire. Yes, because. Even if I do everything right, even if I have a great setup, even if I've got this business that is valued at all this at, at a certain point, anything could come along in that last ten years of your working life. Absolutely. So I want to come back to that point because it's a big point that we'll talk about. So, but but the point is, start with the overarching assumption that your business, whatever it's going to be sold for, will be yep. sold for just one dollar. Yep. When you retire, and we'll come back to that point in a minute. Yep. Um, point number two is the solution. So. What you want to do is you want to treat superannuation contributions for yourself like it's an expense of the business, yes, and like it's a mandatory expense. Yep. And think of it like tax. Yes, it's much better than tax. Yeah, um, it's tax you're paying to your future self. It's <laughs> tax you're paying to your future self. Yeah, so you're the collector of that tax. Yeah, and it all and it is also tax deductible. Yeah, 
we've got a, a really good podcast called Profit First. Yeah. Um, in the eighties, I think it was in the in the in the not the not the nineteen eighties. Oh, but I was the, thinking in the, yeah, in the you definitely weren't going there. Yeah. In the eighties to nineties, <laughs> somewhere <laughs> in the eighty to ninety podcast range, yep. like uh, yep. of um, episode eighty to episode ninety. I'm going to yep. say. Yep. Um, it's a really good one because it actually reframes and looks at treating the profit of the business yep, as, as or the up. profit of an individual like an expense. Yep. So um, treat super, super contributions like an expense. Yep. And, and my base rule of thumb there is that what you want to do is you want to make a super contribution equivalent to 9.5% on the wage that you'd be being paid yep. if you were working for someone else. So I had yep. a... Um, uh, someone that I came across the other day, they're not really a, a formal client because they're only in their early 40s, but um, someone that I know, a friend, uh, she, she runs her own business, hadn't been paying super contributions in. I said, what would you be getting paid if you worked for someone else? Yeah. It's about 100 grand a year. So I said, why don't you just set up yeah. a $385 a month direct debit into yeah. your superannuation fund, yeah. which is 10 grand for the year. And I said, it works out to be about what you'd be getting in super contributions yep. um, by, uh, if you were working for wages. Yep. So she's gone ahead and done that. Yeah. Um, so it's a, just a little nudge yeah. that, that, that will, now that turns into. Well, that's, and that's, yeah, for, for, we've talked to before about like, you know, for those people who are younger, that's, um, yeah, if, if, you're, if you're younger, you probably, the just the super guarantee contributions that you'd be getting are, yeah. are going to be a fair bit of your retirement yeah, savings. Absolutely, for, and it, for, it, yeah. it compounds out over over years. So, yeah. I mean, if you treat your super contributions like an expense, look look in the the, the best case scenario, you would actually look at all the expenses of the, the business. You would treat twenty five thousand dollars. So you'd aim for twenty five thousand dollars contribution. Yeah. yeah. Per business owner. Yeah. So if you're a um, you know a one uh, a one woman one, band or a yeah. one man band, yeah. um, you'd be looking at paying $25,000 into your superannuation. If it's Look, it sounds like a lot of money, but yeah. it's it's divided by 12 or it's divided by 26 or it's divided by 52. And, if you, and, if and money, if money a, comes in, in the as business- As a percentage of your turnover, it's normally yeah. a, a fairly small amount. It's a small amount. Look, you can, it, yeah, a lot of businesses um, generate money every single day. If you run a cafe or a coffee shop, yeah. you're generating about the same amount of money every single day. If yep. you treated your yep. super contribution like yep. a daily expense, yes, and in an extreme, you could set up a daily, yep. transfer. A daily transfer from yep. your main trading account yep. into, into, into your superannuation fund. fund. Yep. What what happens really really quickly yep. is that it becomes something that's just treated like an extra tax. Yes, or it's just treated like an extra and, expense of the and, business. And that's a really good example of thinking of it in that way as as something that is, yeah. For most people who've got a small business, they probably they probably had the the hiccup at the very start where they didn't save enough for tax. Yeah. And then the ATO came knocking, and they went, "Geez, I've spent I've spent the money that I've spent that I've yep. spent that tax money. Now I've got to quickly find a way to save that back up, pay the ATO, and then they only make that mistake once. And then from then on, they go right that money that's for the tax, I'm saving that to a separate account, or I'm mm. paying that on an instalment basis. Most people know that. It's not a, it's not negotiable. I just have to pay tax, and if I don't, I'm going to have the door shut on. Yeah. So that's the the way to think of it is that the super contributions they are they are an expense. They they're just something that you would have to pay. Um, now, the other one that is probably um, a bit of a unpopular opinion or something to I guess for some small businesses where 
if you can't, if you're in your fifties and you have a small business and you can't afford to pay yourself that twenty five thousand dollars a year into super, you you maybe you shouldn't be in business. Mm. It's probably a bit of a hard truth for people to hear is that if you're in your fifties and you were working as an employee for someone, in most cases you're going to be able to earn enough to live on and make some extra contributions to super. And if you're not able to do that with your with your own small business. Potentially, it's it's worth looking at. Should you be just going and getting a job where you are going to be able to fund those contributions? That's right. And and look, um, one of the things I've got written down here is to to work backwards. Yeah. So, uh, look, I, I'm yet to see someone's personal budget or a business's budget, yeah. including ourselves. So yeah. stuff creeps in. We yeah. watch it like a hawk. Yeah, but it still happens. Expenses creep into our bottom line yeah. of our business. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, because you sign up for something and you don't use it or you sign yeah. up for this and you don't use it or this yeah. becomes something that you thought you'd use and you yeah. only use a fraction of it. Yeah. Um, so we were hawking, still a few little things creep in. Yeah. You and I sit down yeah. mandatory once a year at least yeah. to yeah, to that. strike a line through that. So yeah. that's the first thing to do yeah. is to go through all of your expenses. And, and I think it's it's sort of um, the, way to, the way to approach it. It becomes much more... For most people, what you do is you run your business and as long as you can draw out the money that you need to live on, there's no real forcing mechanism to go through yep. and, and look at look at those expenses really hard. Whereas if you go, okay, well, I have to find 25 grand. I'm just mm. gonna go through these costs. I'm gonna go through my expenses. I'm gonna find somewhere where I have to, I have to find 25 grand. What yep. do I get rid of to, to make that happen? Yeah, that's right. Um, the other thing it, to look at is, is a price increase. Yeah. And, um, uh, I mean, we could do a whole podcast yeah, on this, and there's yeah. business. I, I guess I was just about to say this is like the, the the simplest business consultant advice ever. You should reduce your expenses. You should raise your revenue. Yeah, look, look, <laughs> and to be fair, um, like a lot of people may have done this already. Yeah, uh, but but a lot of people wouldn't have done this. No, so if, if I mean, if you can combine the two of these together, yeah, if you can slash your costs, yeah, or, or reduce your costs, yeah, um, and you can increase your prices slightly. Yeah. And, and a lot of this stuff is um, completely in your head as well I, in terms of in terms good? of thinking that you have to keep your prices the same because yeah. these people came to you 10 years ago when mm. you were struggling and, and, yeah. and have become a loyal client and you've kept them on the same pricing yeah. mechanism for that entire 10 years yeah. despite the fact that the cost of goods and services everywhere else have been going up. Yeah. Um, a lot of that's in your head, and when you actually raise it with them and say, "Okay, yeah. we, we we need to increase our prices here," yeah. um, you'll more times than often hear back from them yeah. saying, "Oh, I thought you would have done that years ago." Yeah. But um, yeah, you know, they're not even aware that right. that you haven't done that sometimes. Yeah. And, that, and that's, I think, the the big thing with with both sides of that is is reducing your costs and increasing your prices. Is that you need that forcing mechanism to make that happen because. Mm. Raising prices is an uncomfortable conversation. You know, it's something that we've we've had in our business over the last ten years. Is that you know, when you raise your prices, especially with existing clients, it, it, it's a hard conversation. You don't want to do that, but if you approach it from the perspective of I need to find that twenty five grand a year, I just need to find that to go into super because I need that to get in the position to to retire. Um, it's much easier to have those conversations, to have to make mm. the hard decisions about reducing your costs, to make the, to have the hard conversations about increasing your prices. Is that it's not it's not um, you know you're not doing it for some other reason. You are doing it for for yourself for your own future. That, that's right. And so this ties this is a good 
point to come back to the overarching assumption that you'll only yeah. be able to sell your business for one dollar yeah. when you retire. Yeah. So what happens then is that that twenty five percent, sorry, that twenty five thousand dollars that you need to put into your super fund every year yeah. becomes a non negotiable then. Yes. Because yeah. you say, okay, I'm going to sell my business for one dollar. Yep. Yeah. When I retire. What am I going to live on? Yeah. So what am I going to live on? I need to start siphoning off. of money into my super fund each each and every year um, for the next 10 or 15 or 20 years uh, before I retire because I'm only going to sell for $1. Um, It just becomes a complete different uh, equation then where it becomes an essential equation. And what we find is that people get their head around that in a really quick manner of of time. it reframes the reason that you actually are in business. So it's, it's of course... um, to add value to other other people's lives, but to be paid for that. That's right. And 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 to actually make a profit. Profit ratio now becomes essential. Yeah. And the profit in dollars is yeah. probably even even better. And, and I think that's that's probably a key point there, is that profit ratio is that for a lot of small businesses it's the the business is structured to replace the wage for the for the person operating that business. Mm. And there is no real profit built into it. It's mm. it's basically, you know, Someone who would be earning $100,000 a year as an employee yep. is running a small business. They're taking on all the risk. They're taking on all the extra headaches of, of running a small business. Mm. And what they're pulling out of that business is the same $100,000 that they could get as an employee. Yeah. So I guess that's the, the point here is to, if you are going to take on that, if you're going to take on the stress, you're going to take on the headaches of running your own business, you need to be paid for that. You need, there, there needs to be some profit built into that. That's right. And, and, and look, if we're... We're looking at $25,000 here, which seems like a lot. Um, however, if your business is turning over half a million dollars per year, yeah. for example, yeah. uh, $25,000 is 5% yeah. of that of that amount. Yeah. So what we're really saying here is that you need to come up with some sort of 5% efficiency gain. Because yeah. that's what it, that's yeah. what it actually no, that's translates right. into. Exactly. And whether that efficiency is increasing your prices slightly, um, yeah. whether it's reducing your costs yeah. by 5%. Yeah whether it's a combination of the both, yeah. um, whether it's whether it's it's looking at um, at certain aspects of your business and saying, we could do this much more efficiently. Yeah. We actually staffed uh, where we have six staff, yeah. but we could, we, if we could do these things more efficiently, we'd be able to come down to five staff. Yeah. Now, there's, that of course, yeah. there's your $25,000 yeah. in multiples right yeah, there. If, right. You can, if you can... And, and, and no one's, um, I mean, it's not to say you want to go out and sack a staff member. No. Um, but you need to look after you first. That's because right. a staff member, so... Well, they've got their super contributions. Well, they've got their super contributions. <laughs> but, but, but how many small business owners have we seen yeah. that have tried to do favours for their staff? And then as soon as the staff member gets an extra $5,000, yeah, often job. from a competitor, they, 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 go, they yeah. flee and they yeah. leave. So, yeah. I mean... Um, if you're a small business owner listening to this, which I assume you would be because you'd probably tune out if you, um, <laughs> if you're not. are not a small business owner by now, um, you, you would know what I'm talking about there. You would have seen in the past yeah. uh, staff members that you thought you were doing a favour for and yeah. then they've turned around and, 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 and you know, gone to a competitor because they've paid them more money. Or, yeah. So people look after themselves. Um, as a small business owner, you're taking a tremendous amount of risk. You need to yeah. look after you first. And that's, I think, what happens is that no one's, like you said, it's not, um, it's normally, it's very rarely the answer to just going and sack someone. It, it tends to be more thinking of it and, and going, okay, well, I've got to take care of my future self first. That's got to come yep. first. Yep. 
Now, how do, else, how do I make everything else fit? Like we said, it's not a huge, for any sort of small business, it's probably not a big percentage of your turnover, a big percentage of your expenses, mm. that $25,000 you're trying to find. It's really just about making yourself sit down and go through this exercise and go, where am I going to find that money? The mon- that amount is non-negotiable. Where mm. am I going to find it and, and think of it in, in that way? So. And sometimes it's even to take away some sort of product offering that you offer to your existing clients that just, it, it's, it's a, it's a, it loses money yep. for you. So yep. um, people think, oh, we have to offer this service to our clients. And when you actually look at it, yep. it's a really labor-intensive service that yep. you can't charge a lot for. Yep. And yeah, if you just had the conversation and removed that product, yeah. and, and look, people people are accepting when you go to people and say, yeah, yeah. hey, listen, um, I'm charging you guys uh, 50 bucks a month yeah. for this yeah, service. That, yeah. But I really need to be charging you $250 a month because it's really, really labor intensive and yeah. we just don't have enough of, yeah. of people that want it. Um, they, they, they can do the math really, yeah. really easily That's and they right. know that, that, you, that, you can, um, that you can actually uh, get away with it. And, and, and that's not to say that this this other product offering or service offering isn't bringing in money. No. But when you look at the grand scheme of things, yep. it might be bringing in 10% of your revenue, yep. but you need in. a much bigger premises and yeah. you need two extra staff members and all these types of things. And when you actually break it down, yep. you, you, um, you'd be better off actually not offering it at all. That's right. Moving into a smaller premises and not having those extra wages that you have to pay to those staff members and yeah. things like that. And that's that's I guess the thing where, like I said, we're, we're not um, yeah business consultant experts by any stretch. But but I think the to me the main thing is that if you have that forcing mechanism, you will you will go through those exercises on your own. You know you know if you just went that has to I have to make that profit because I have to be saving for my retirement. You'll go through all those exercises. You will go. You will think about raising your prices much yeah, in in yeah. much uh, more detail. You'll think about you know what components of my business really make the profit and what bits don't. It, it's a it's just that forcing mechanism to make you really think about your business in a in a, a more um, more in, I guess with the intent of what am I trying to achieve from this business over the next ten years. And that's I think the the point probably to to, to tie into again is that. We see it all the time where people with a small business, and there's no real, um, there's no real thought of the purpose or intent of that business. There's some conceptual idea of, well, I'll sell it in the future. That'll be my retirement savings. And when you start to press on that, it's to okay, well, exactly what? Why do you think this business that you're not really focused on making sure that there's profit for you to put money into super every year? If you can't do that, it's probably not. It's not going to be a business that someone else is going to value. They're not going to want to come in and, and take over that business from you. Well, here's the ironic but amazing part. Yeah. So <laughs> when you look at your business like this, yeah. with the assumption that you'll only be able to sell it for a dollar, yeah. what you then have to do is you have to make the business more profitable yes. because it then has to, yeah. you have to be able to siphon off profits yeah. to build up yeah. in a yeah. passive investment or your super fund yeah. so that when you sell the business for one dollar, yeah. you... Um, have all this money set up that you can live off in your superannuation fund. Yeah. Now, because you make it more profitable, yeah, with the assumption that you only sell it for a dollar, yeah, it's very likely that you'll be able to sell it for much more than you would. That's right. Have been able to previously. Yeah. Um, well, because you've made it a better business. Yeah. You've made it, it a I mean, business that's more efficient. Yeah. So it has to be more efficient. It has to have lower costs. It has to be. Yeah, it has profitable. to be earning more profit. And yeah. usually that coincides with less 
uh, 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 less need for the owner to be there all of the time as well. It yep. just sort of magically lines up when that's you run right. a more efficient business. Yeah. And, and and that's exactly what buyers well, business are looking That's for, exactly so. right. If, if you've met with a, a small business owner, you know, a couple who owned a small business and, and you know, you're looking at, okay, what, what sort of profit has this business made? And they said, well, for the last 10 years, we've been putting $50,000 combined into super. That's, that's a real tangible profit. Like this, mm. is, this isn't some accounting trick where you go, oh, well, no. we'll call it EBITDA and we'll you know, yeah. shuffle the books around. You go, we have put $50,000 aside for 10 years. That's got to be more valuable than, than a business where that couple who are selling you the business go, well, it, it's, profit, it's, it's a good business. Well, yeah. Have you been able to save anything or put anything? No, but, but it's, you know, it's a good business and it's profitable. Well, yeah. where's the, where is the money kind of Yeah, thing? where's the so, money? That's so right. yeah, you did it. Going through these steps, going through these forcing mechanisms of making your business be profitable enough to provide for, you, for your own retirement with the assumption that it'll be worth $1, is actually the thing that, that makes it worth uh, much more money in the future. Mm. And so, um, yeah, and that's, that's then a separate thing entirely, which is, okay, if you, if you do actually have a saleable asset as a business, what do you do there in terms of how do you sell that in the most tax-effective way, all that kind of thing. But I think you're right. For most small business owners, let's assume that, it's assumed that it, the business is sold for a dollar and anything above that is a bonus. Yeah. Uh, thanks for your listener question, Kerry. Much yeah. appreciated. It's a really, really good topic. Yeah. Um, so we've seen this time and time again. So it was a great little prompt to get yeah. from you. And if, if you have any topics that you'd like for us to discuss or debates yeah. or questions, <laughs> yeah. um, podcast at mo50.com.au is our email address. Please get in touch with us. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Money Over 50 podcast with Lighthouse Financial Advisors. We look forward to catching up again soon.